Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the On Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslomap.org, and you can find one of our many articles about law office management at our MassLomap blog, The Law Practice Advisor, masslomap.blogspot.com. I have invited my friend Ben Stevens, who practices at the Stevens Firm, a family law firm in Spartanburg, South Carolina, a blogger at the Mac Lawyer and the South Carolina Family Law Blog, and founder of the listserv group Macs in the Law Office, and he also presents on issues of using Macs in the Law Office at the ABA Tech Show and Law Tech. Ben, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. No problem, Rodney. Glad to do it. Great. Ben, you've been on the cutting edge of, uh, of attorneys using Macs in, in the law practice since uh, I think you began using them in 2005. That's right. Uh, during the last few years, uh, when I do uh, audience surveys during presentations and so forth, I notice that more and more attorneys every year, every year are using Macs, and I'm getting more and more questions about using Macs in the law office. And because I'm a Windows user myself, I'm always referring them to you uh, and your blog at the Mac Lawyer and your excellent listserv, uh, Milo. Uh and today, I'd like our listeners to have a chance to learn more about how to set up a Mac office and some of the key software and hardware to make it run efficiently, if uh, we can pick your brain a little bit. Certainly. That's great. So based on your experience, I mean, just from a starting uh, point, uh, what what do you think an attorney has to consider in making a se- successful transition uh, to a Mac law office? Well, there are lots of different reasons to make the switch. The, the reason I made the switch and, and the reason that I've found that many other attorneys have made the switch is just um, a matter of being frustrated with the problems that seem inherent with a Windows system. Um, you know, my blood pressure used to go through the roof when, when I would have, you know, word lock up on me at, at the, right before I hit print or, you know, get a blue screen of death when I'm on a deadline and those types of things. And, and it was just, you know, I had a run of those things happen, uh, during the summer of 2005 and, and I decided enough was enough. I had used Max back in college, um, and all through law school and thought, you know, all the years I used that old Mac, I never had a single problem. I wonder if that'll work in my office. And, and it has. Um, but, but there are lots of different, you know, there are lots of different justifications for making the switch. But, but really the, the main one is just making that mental shift that, hey, I, you know, I don't want to work against my computer. I want to work with it. Um, and, and that's really the way I, I see my Macs. When I, when I give these speeches, a lot of times it, I, I listen to myself talk and it kind of sounds like I'm, I've got a, a, a love affair going on with my computer or something. <laughs> but, um, but I really, you know, I view my Macs as, as, as an integral part of my workflow and, and it's not something that I dread using. I used to, I had a, um, 
my last PC was an, an IBM ThinkPad with a fingerprint scanner and all this nice stuff on it. The scanner never recognized my fingerprint. It was always something. And, and switching from that to a MacBook and, you know, I open it up and can start working immediately without the headaches was just a great um, stress reliever for me. Um, and also found that it saved a lot of time um, because I didn't have the time I didn't have to waste the time rebooting my machine several times a day, losing time because it's freezing or locking up, um, and and even little things just like when when you open it up, you know, not having to wait thirty, forty five seconds or a minute for it to boot up and be ready to go, um, you know, I open it up and five seconds later I'm I'm typing. Um, so it was those types of things, and, and again, I had good memories from you know I used Macs for several years uh, previously before I became an attorney and. Um, and so I had the, you know, I had some comfort level with what I was getting back into before I made the switch, and I think that's what stops a lot of people from making the change is just sort of the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, I'm not going to have Windows. I'm, I'm going to have OS X, whatever that is, and I'm going to have to relearn a lot of things, and 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 that's just not not really the way it works. And why why do you say that? I mean, it seems to me like, you know, if I've been using Windows for a while, it's even if it may not be incredibly intuitive, if I had to start anew, at least I know it. I mean, do you find that the Mac OS uh, operating system and the, uh, uh, the software is so intuitive that it's just really quickly to... Uh, quick to pick up? It, it is. I mean, and this is no exaggeration. When when my firm made the switch, my secretaries left on a Friday, had PCs on their desk, came in Monday morning and had iMacs sitting on their desk, or I guess at that time we were using Mac minis, but but had Macs sitting on their desk. And they kind of looked at me and I said, just, just trust me, sit down and, and start working. And sure enough, they sat down, they could open up the programs that we were normally using, they were able to work. And you know, the, the big thing is you've got to get used to, to drastic changes like instead of exiting a program, you quit a program. And instead of your um, the, the little uh, checkboxes to minimize and close windows being on the right-hand side, they're on the left-hand side. And you know, things like that that just make people lose their minds. But um, I mean, th- those are the those are probably the biggest changes you have to adjust to, and and those are pretty minimal. Um, as far as the, the the software being intuitive, I mean, one of the one of the ways I evaluate any piece of software, and I get asked all the time to evaluate things. Rule number one is if I have to look at a manual, I'm real skeptical right off the bat. Um, I don't have time to to spend a lot of time reading and educating myself on how to use any particular piece of software. Um, and, and I think that, that the folks at Apple understand that. They don't like wasting time either because what you'll find with, with the vast majority of, of Apple software, particularly the, the ones made by Apple itself, um, you know, everything works just the way that you would think that it should work. I mean, 99 times out of 100, if you want, I mean, when I, Keynote is a good example. Um, I, I had never used Keynote prior to purchasing my, my first MacBook. Um, and I was asked to give a presentation, and, and I thought, well, fine, I'll, I'll try this out. I'd used PowerPoint a few times before and didn't really like it because it was clunky and, and whatnot. So without ever opening any instruction book, I sat down, and within about two hours, I had a fantastic, yeah, I thought it was good, fantastic keynote presentation done uh, with transitions and all sorts of advanced things, which at that time, I don't know that PowerPoint 
even did. Now, PowerPoint's caught up a little bit, um, but I didn't have to spend time going through the, you know, the user manual. I didn't even have to buy one of the, the dummy books to kind of walk you through the things. It was like, hey, if I want to put a picture in here, how do I do it? Well, I drag it and drop it in, and there it is. Um, and, and, and everything is like that. Um, in fact, I, you know, I've, I switched, uh, I want to say two and a half years ago, I stopped using Microsoft Word in my practice. I use um, Apple's pages as our word processing in the office, and it's been, you know, a, a great switch. I don't miss the headaches that go with Word, um, and, it's, and it's the same type thing. Even the, you know, unfortunately, I guess, Microsoft's software that they make for the Mac still is like using Windows programs. And so, you know, and I don't mean that as a compliment. Now, I haven't looked at, <laughs> I hadn't looked at the new one. They've got this, this new office that's, I think, just coming out. I haven't looked at that yet. But, I mean, it, it really can be done. I mean, anything yeah. that you can do on a PC, there's a way to do it on a Mac, and, and usually better. Well, let me ask you this, and just kind of stepping back a minute. I mean, obviously, you know, for a brand-new uh, attorney or someone who's practicing uh, or just starting up their practice. I mean, it'd be easy to just go out and you you buy the the hardware, the Mac hardware, and get going. Right. But if you have a, a you know a small firm, one two people even, uh, and they've got you know ten fifteen years of of uh, Windows based uh, software uh, documents and you know databases and so forth, right. is there anything in particular that those people should do to try to get ready for the transition? There's really not anything in particular that has to be done. Now, when I made the change, I'd been practicing for 10 years back in 2005. Started practicing in 95. So in 05, when I made the switch, I had 10 years worth of data built up. Um, and so I was in that position. And I will tell you that in the last five years, there have been gigantic leaps and bounds made towards the ability to ease of conversion or importing data into the max. So, you know, when I'm talking about what happened five years ago, it was a lot harder then than it is now, but it really wasn't even that hard then. I mean, what I, when people ask me, you know, what software should I use or even what, what, what hardware should I get, you know, yeah. I, rather than me just answering that question, you know, what I tell them to do, you know, how, how do you work in your office? Some people only work at their desk and never take work home. Well, you know, they need to go with a desktop. Some people are never at their desk. They're always somewhere else. Those people obviously need a laptop. And then there are lots of people in between. And so, you know, from a hardware standpoint, that's kind of the way I encourage people to think about that. But then software, you know, does the does the attorney do a lot of typing themselves like I do? Um, I, I can type faster than I can dictate. So um, there are a lot of things that you know I spend more typing, probably more time typing probably than the average attorney, um, just because I happen to be a very fast typer. Um, but you know, do they want uh, do they want to be able to just access their client database inside the office, or do they want to be able to access it anywhere? That may um, lead them towards a web based solution versus a you know a traditional um, you know, database-hosted solution in their office. And, and there are lots of those types of considerations. And so I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that. I think it's going to vary from attorney to attorney. Um, you know, my experience has primarily been in, in, you know, small, I guess what, what anybody would consider a small firm. I think the most attorneys I've ever had in the same building with me is five. Uh -huh. um, and, and so, you know, I'm coming at it from that standpoint. But at the same time, I've got a lot of data. Um, when, when I switched over to my current um, case management system, I had 11,000 contacts 
that needed to be imported. And these were contacts back from the Windows days when I used um, Time Matters and Amicus Attorney and PC Law. And I've, you know, I've used pretty much everything over the 15 years I've been practicing. And so I had all these, you know, these contacts um, stacked up that I wanted to bring with me. And so I got them all, you know, relatively easily from Windows to Mac. And then since on the Mac side, I've been through a couple different programs and, and into my current one. And it's really not hard. Most of the major software providers from a, from a case management standpoint, they, they all have import capabilities now, and most all the programs have the ability to export the data in a, in a standardized format. So, you know, again, today, switching from program A to program B is not nearly the headache it was five years ago or, you know, beyond that, it was, it was problematic if, if it was even possible. But now it's, it's not a big deal. Um, so I, I encourage the attorneys to think about how, how are they going to work or, or maybe not how they're currently working, but how would they like to work? What's their ideal setup? Um, and then go from there and figure out, wh- you know, what, what fits them best. If they like headaches, stay with a PC. I mean, that's an easy <laughs> choice. But, you know, again, if, if they want to spend more time working and less time with their tech guy, um, you know, Max might be a good choice for them. Well, and I, and I guess that one of the things on um, software too, and I, I know I don't think you would recommend this, but if people are really in love with a particular Windows-based program, they can run those on a Mac now. Yeah. Is that correct? And, and, that, and that's what I, I was having a conversation with somebody last week that, that had emailed me and said, look, I finally bought my first Mac, you know, but I'm not sure what do I, what do, I do? I said, well, it's easy. Get Parallels or get Fusion. They're, they're two virtualization programs. I think they cost $79 each, something like that. And they give you the ability to um, run a full, fully functioning PC inside your Mac. Um, and, and both of those programs have import capabilities where they will, and this probably isn't the technical term, but, but you, you hook your PC up to it and it will suck everything from the PC into the virtual PC inside the Mac. So you've got all your, all your operating system there, your programs, your settings, everything just like you had. It's just running inside your Mac. So you can, you can do both. And, and some people, for instance, love Time Matters. And so, okay, well, there you go. Run Time Matters virtually and then run it, you know, do everything else. Um, on the Mac side, um, or right. you know, they, they they love WordPerfect and aren't sure they're going to like something else. Well, run it, vir- you know, run that virtually, and then you know, kind of ease into the transition. But what people report back to me. I mean, we made the switch very quickly. Um, right. My staff was comfortable within a couple of days. But you know, for most people, most attorneys, what I hear is is about two weeks. Um, the 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 comfort level, you know, from from being skeptical to being very comfortable for most people is about two weeks. Which I which I don't I don't think is bad. No, that's not bad at all. I mean, I think a lot of times when you make changes with software or hardware, I mean, you look at at least a month of of yeah. somewhat reduced uh, uh, efficiency, probably. Uh, now, I know watching the list your your uh, Milo listserv. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about case management uh, solutions on that listserv, and I certainly. Suggest that anyone that's interested in Max go to that listserv and look at the archives and ask questions and so forth. But I, I, it seems to me like uh, from a case management standpoint, you got a couple great solutions and either Clio or Rocket Matter, which are both web-based solutions. Are there right. uh, desktop solutions in that for Max also? If for people that are looking uh, for more of a desktop solution, there are there's several, management? but but the most popular. Um, what I would say traditional database you host yourself type solution uh-huh. is a program called Daylight, and it's produced by Market Circle. They're based out of Toronto, I believe. Um, 
we used Daylight for several years when that was, um, I think, the second program after we switched over to the Mac side that we used. And, and you know, we liked it. it it's not made specifically for attorneys. Um, it is a... Um, just just an off more of a gener- generic office type database program um and so when i used it you had to get used to some naming conventions it would talk about projects instead of case files and that type of thing but but it was very simple and easy to use um i know that i've gotten to know over the years the people at market circle and and they're um they're keenly aware of of their attorney clientele in fact they exhibited at tech show this year they were the first uh Mac only exhibitors at Tech Show, and and they got a good good reception there, uh, and that and that's what I think the majority of people um, uh, attorneys that use Macs that want, you know, something that they've got all the data in their office under their control and and so forth. That's what they're going to go with, you know. I, I'd say by and large, um, the the next most popular program is a program called LawStream, um, and, and it is a um, it's cross-platform. There's also a Windows version of it that will will link with the database as well. Um, I use that for a little while, and and it's it's a very um, it's probably one of the most full-featured programs out there. It it does full back office accounting too, which makes it a little bit unique from from daylight. Um, but it's one of those programs. If if the firm is going to go with it, uh, it's kind of like Time Matters. I would suggest you know spend the time to get the training to to be able to fully take advantage of all the features. Um, that it, it does so much. It's it's not it's not incredibly easy to learn yourself. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But it if you're going to spend the money to get it, spend the money to get the training so you can you can take advantage of all the features. But so yeah, there are options. Uh, for case management, but I, you know, Rodney, it seems like most things are going to the out to the cloud now. And, right. and you know, my firm uses we've used Rocket Matter from the beginning. I think we were customer either one or two with them, and so um, you know I, that solution works great for me. But but I'm on the go a lot. I spend a lot of time at the courthouse, and and I work from home at night. And I, I'm I've got two or three different computers that I use. I don't have just one at any time. So I like my data. You know, they're waiting on me to access it wherever I am. So, for me, that's a good solution. For other people, you know, it, it, they may prefer something different. Sure. And if I remember right, Rocket Matter provides some uh, invoicing capabilities or it, time it, and billing capabilities. Yes, it also, does. Right? In fact, that was that was what led me to Rocket Matter from Daylight because at the time that I made the switch, Daylight had come out with a a companion program called Billings, and I think they're up to Billings version three or maybe four now. So Daylight does do some time and billing, and it, it, there's some information exchanged. But Time Matter, um, Rocket Matters, um, actually has billing built into it. And, and literally from everywhere within the program, there's an option to bill for time. And so it's one of those programs that makes it incredibly difficult to lose time during the day. Um, and, and so... You know, I think if you can capture an extra fifteen or thirty minutes every day, um, anything's going to pay for itself very quickly. And and it's hard to not do that using Rocket Matter because it, you know telephone calls, making appointments, to do's, anything you do, there's literally one click and you've got a time entry done. And the other nice feature that it has is the ability to do bulk billing and send out, all, generate all your invoices for all your clients at the same time, and then. You know, it prints on the PDF and then get them out quickly, and that's something it does very, very well. And that was one of the key features for me because I was spending way too much time as a at that time I was a solo. Um, you know, going generating my invoices and going back through them and doing the things that we have to do to get our bills out. And I literally cut my billing time from a day and a half to an hour and a half um, just just by using Rocket Matter. So for me, it was a no brainer. 
Right. Incredible amount of time savings there. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. money in the bank, basically. Exactly. And, and that's what I talk, I mean, a lot of people about the value of an integrated kind of case management system is just, it's one right, it's more efficient, it's more time saving, which is great. Yep. For uh, the other software question I wanted to run by you real quick is, uh, uh, when you're using Macs, what is, what are the good PDF uh, uh, programs? I mean, I know Adobe is is considered a, a, a great player in that, and I assume that that's true for the, in the Mac world also. Yes, um, uh, they have Acrobat for um, for the Mac, and and it you know it works just like it does on the Windows side. One one of the programs that I use as my day to day PDF reader and and making short comments and, and edits with is Preview, which is built in as part of the Mac operating system. It comes free with the Mac, um, and it you know opens PDFs very. And I use it because it's faster. Um, Acrobat. You know, bless Adobe's heart is is not the quickest thing when you tell it to open, and and you know, so I I like speed. So in in preview, you click on the PDF and it's open instantaneously, and then I can make the make the notations on it and so forth, save it, and and go from there. So that's what I use day to day. But there are plenty of other ones um, out there. But but you know, I I, I still use Acrobat for my OCR uh, purposes because I think it does it does a real nice job with that. Um, and I'll use it for more involved um, work with PDFs and so forth. But just the day-to-day reviewing um, incoming mail and stuff like that, I, d- I do all that in preview, and it, it works great. Great. Ben, we need to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll speak more with Ben Stevens about Max in the Law Office. Thank you. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Ben Stevens, family law attorney in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and blogger at the Mac Lawyer and South Carolina Family Law. Uh, ben, once again, thanks for joining us today. It's been really in- incredibly uh, educational uh, discussion so far. Uh, and I think I know your answer to this, and it may be kind of redundant of our conversation earlier, but, you know, the two of the questions I get a lot from attorneys when they're considering Macs are, you know, they come to me and say, you know, I, I'm intrigued by Macs, but they're more expensive than the Windows machine. And so, uh, you know, are they really worth the premium? Uh it, and I'm sure you have an answer to that. And I just wanted to hear basically what you thought about that that question. Right. Well, a couple of different things. I mean, the short answer is, is, yeah, they are a little bit more expensive, but not as much as you would think. And 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 I think it is a very wise investment for attorneys. Um, when when you're comparing a Mac to to a PC, you need to you need to be careful to make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Um, make sure you're looking at the same type of of hard drive and RAM and and all the different things that that you look at and Macs are a lot easier to shop for because you know they're they're I think six basic models and then you you know you've got a couple options within each one but it's not like the thousand options you've got with a with a PC and I think that's a good thing because you know you can customize them in, in the areas you need but you don't have to worry about a lot of the other detail um 
so when when you look at a uh, you know you can you can get a laptop uh, I think MacBooks now start about nine ninety nine um, I think iMacs start about maybe eleven hundred dollars I haven't checked lately but that's usually the the price points um, and when you consider with an iMac you're getting you know a, a extremely nice monitor included with the computer and everything else you need there. Um, you know, I found that they're not that much more expensive. I would say, and this is just an estimate. You're talking maybe fifteen to maybe twenty percent premium to have the Mac, but where where it pays for itself is a you're saving a lot of time on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis, which makes it pay for itself just in that standpoint. Secondly. Macs last a lot longer than PCs do. Um, I found back when I was using PCs that I would replace my my computer every 18 to 24 months. With the Macs, we're going three years plus. I mean, basically, when I get a new Mac now, it's kind of because I just want one. I, I don't really need it. We've still got our original computers when we switched over in 05. We still got them, and they run just as well as they did five years ago. And there aren't many PCs you can say that about. Um, and, and the other thing is, if, if you decide you want to make an upgrade or make a change, Macs hold their value very well. Um, what I encourage people to do, if, if they want to you know, check that out for themselves, go on eBay and see what you know, a year old or two year old Macs are still selling for, and you'll see them often going for sixty percent of their their original purchase price. And I don't know many PCs that are two years old would be sold for twenty percent of their purchase price. So right. they hold their value well. They last longer, and 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 the lasting longer. I mean, in a functional way, it's not like um, you know. I was cleaning out an old office um, last weekend, and I had a bunch of old PCs sitting around. It's kind of like walking down memory lane. I remember you, Sony Vio, when I got you. <laughs> you were so shiny, shiny and new, and now look at you. Um, but but with the Macs, I mean, again, they they stay um, they stay viable and usable way longer than than PCs do. Um, and 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 so I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, if you want to get into something cheap and quick, well, yeah, you can get into a PC quicker. But you know, I guarantee you, you're going to be buying another one or have to buy another one before I'd have to replace my Mac. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too, Rodney, we were talking about PDFs. One thing um, Mac has built built into its operating system is the ability to create a PDF anywhere you can print. And I ran into this literally last night. I had a client that I was talking with in a, in a divorce case that was trying to print something off of a Facebook page that she was looking at. And she was on a PC, and I'm on the Mac. And I wanted to say, okay, look at the page in your Internet browser, go to File, tell it Print, and then you've got a little PDF menu that drops down, tell it Save as PDF. Well, there's <laughs> there's no way to do it. We went back and forth for around an hour last night for me trying to help her by email figure out how to save a web page to a PDF you know, on on her PC, um, and I don't know to, until now if she's gotten it done yet. Um, but literally, that's a about a two second process on a Mac. Um, and, and from looking last night, it looked like there's some plugins that you can get and some programs you can get to do it on a PC. But it's not built into the operating system. And for attorneys that want to go paperless or or minimize the amount of paper they've got, you know, the ability to create PDFs on the fly is a is a Big time saver and a big money saver too, and and again that's something that Apple had the foresight to build to integrate in their operating system, um, and and that gets overlooked a lot. But I, you know, for attorneys in particular, I think that's a pretty nice feature to have. Well, and just out of curiosity, one of the other things I see mentioned on Milo a lot is uh, folks using the Mac Mini as a as a server, uh, which intrigues me because it, it's it is actually so 
small uh, that it doesn't look like you know it would be able to function as a as a server. But I I understand it's both pretty robust and and pretty commonly used. What, what can you tell me about that? It is, and and that's what a lot of people are doing because up until a few years ago, the the Mac Mini was kind of the gateway drug to the Mac for for Mac curious PC users. Um, And the reason it was is because it's just the CPU. So you could use your existing monitor, your existing keyboard, your existing printer, all that other stuff that you had on your desk, you just plug it into this nice little box that's five inches by five inches, and and then you're up and running on a Mac. So what we saw was a lot, and that's what we did in my office. Our staff got minis, and my partner and I at the time got um, got MacBooks or uh, MacBook Pro, I guess, at that point. Um, and so it was easy to use. And so now what's happening is is that generation of of converts is switching over to iMacs and other things, and they've got these minis they want to use. And, and yeah, basically, they're just using it as a big hard drive, and it, and it works great for that. Um, Macs network very easily with each other. There's actually a, a Mac-to-Mac network called Apple Talk that it can, it can kind of set up its own network if you need it to. Um, and so you see a lot of people doing that. Apple, um, Apple had always, and, and still do, they, they don't, Promote the mini very much. It's kind of the redheaded stepchild of the of the Mac family. Um, but one thing Apple did was a couple of years ago they came out with a Mac Mini server, um, and so it's actually a, a, a mini on steroids that has the um, OSX server software included in it. And, and I can't remember it. It's maybe a thousand dollars or something. But but you know it's 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 good price point to have something running true server software if that's what you want. Um, and so that's what you see a lot of people doing. Um, what I've become a fan of lately is is um, some of the web-based solutions for hosting documents, Dropbox and SugarSync and so forth. And I actually, a year ago, got rid of my physical server um, in favor of, of Dropbox. And so that, that's what we use, and, and I think that's a good solution. So I'm sorry. You were saying that you've you you'd moved to the um, to the web based server uh, yeah, Dropbox yeah, we, and so forth for documents. Yeah, document. we switched over to Dropbox and yeah. it seems to be working well. But one of the questions I get all the time is, you know, how well Macs work in a PC environment and can they connect to PC servers? And the answer is they work great with other PC, you know, with PCs and they connect very well to a PC server. The the server that I used until last December actually was an old Windows machine running server. I think it's server two thousand edition. Um, and we do, we just use it as a big hard drive, but I just bought that machine in 05 before we made the switch. And so, you know, my computer guy said, well, look, I, you know, you've got all these hard drives in it. Let me just set it up for your document repository and run it that way. And we did, and it worked fine. So um, Macs integrate seamlessly with, with you know, other, with PCs and, and servers and so forth, big, big firms. I've had um, attorneys there when they were the, you know, w- one of a couple Mac users in the office and everybody else's windows. And again, they can get hooked in very easily, you know, to plug into what they need to plug into. And from a cost standpoint, I also forgot to mention, you know, the, the big thing about the Mac is, let's say it is 20% more than a PC, but you get two computers for the price of one. You get all the, the Mac goodness. And for 79 bucks, you can also have a fully functioning PC. And so, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, I think it becomes a much easier decision to make the purchase. 
Right. Well, that's a great uh, place for us to wrap up this conversation in this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Ben, I really want a uh, special thanks to ha- have having you join us today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I would like to give you a second to tell our listeners where they could go to find out more about you, about Milo Listserv, your blog, and your family law uh, practice. Sure. Um, if you want to find out about my family law practice, the best place to go is our, our family law blog, which is scfamilylaw.com, and there, there are links there to our website and contact me and so forth from that. Um, the, the best place to start with any of the MAC information is go to themaclawyer.com. Um, there are, I think, over a thousand articles there that I've, I've written over there, written or published over the years. Um, about Mac technology issues, and there's a link there to go to Milo, um, and so that's the easiest way to find that. So um, I appreciate you having me on, Rodney. I hope information was helpful, and if anybody has any questions, they're welcome to contact me directly as well. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, at MassLowMap.org, uh, and our uh, blog, MassLowMap.blogspot.com, and on Twitter at, at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this conversation in 140 characters or less. I hope you will join us again on the next Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. And remember, you can find more podcasts on Legal Talk Network and iTunes. Thanks a lot. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.